0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org. We need to be purposeful as we kind of are making this journey uh, toward Christmas. And again, I think if we're not careful uh, when it comes to Christmas, again, if we're not purposeful, if we're not really diligent in the true meaning of Christmas, it's very easy to kind of say one thing, you know, our our mouths kind of speak one thing, but our, our actions, our lives, our responses really kind of reflect something totally different when it comes to the true meaning of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, one of the things that I can really be guilty of is this tendency to kind of want to oversimplify Christmas and the message of Christmas. And what I mean by that is one of the ways that I think I can do that, and maybe you can do that as well, is by just kind of focusing on and, and just going straight to the end result and meaning of the, of the Christmas message. And that is this, Jesus Christ is born. Now, again, that is an, it's an amazing, it's a wonderful Truth. It has huge uh, spiritual, eternal implications. And again, I'm I'm often kind of guilty of really overlooking or really kind of minimizing the challenges that had to be faced, the personal battles that had to be fought for Jesus to be born. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen uh, the Christmas movie, The Nativity. It had come out uh, several years ago. And if you haven't, I would really recommend taking an opportunity sometime during this Christmas season just to kind of sit down and watch that movie. And one of the things that I really appreciated, many things I appreciated, but one thing that really kind of stood out to me very loud and clear in this movie was the way they kind of dealt with the personal struggles and obstacles Mary and Joseph had to overcome to be used of God. And so this morning, uh, what I want to talk about may not have a lot to do with Christmas per se, As much as it may really kind of have to focus on the battles that we may have to engage in, the obstacles and struggles we may have to overcome in life to really be used of God. So for the background context, I want to just share the scripture reading uh, with you this morning from Matthew chapter 1, beginning there in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, and I want to add this in, another translation uh, says, uh, before they came together. So before the marriage took place, before Mary and Joseph came together, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now with this scripture reading, this, these verses kind of in context, I want to kind of just share with you three battles that Mary and Joseph had to engage in in order to kind of be used of God. And that first battle that they had to kind of engage in and, and overcome is this battle for righteousness. This battle for sexual purity and the battle for personal integrity. I want you to, again, notice this little phrase there in Matthew 1.18, before they came together. Now, let me kind of just unpack this for you, because I think there's, there's something very important I think the Lord wants us to hear in this. As the text states, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Now, as you contemplate engagement in our culture, you can kind of go in and out of engagement. People get engaged and then at some point maybe go on to get married. I've seen people get engaged and and decide during the engagement period not to get married. And so in in our culture, it's very easy to kind of go in and out of engagement. Engaged people in our culture uh, today tend to make those arrangements privately. Meaning that when we get engaged, we tend to kind of share that good news with family and friends. Now, the the betrothal or the engagement system uh, back in the first century, back in the days of Mary and Joseph, it was a little bit more complicated. When you became engaged to someone in that day, it was a very big deal. It was very, very public. And you went on public record, really entire in, in front of the entire village you were a part of, and a very public proclamation was made of the engagement. Now, the engagement or, or the betrothal in the first century was really basically a very binding relationship. That in most cases, I mean, 99% of the cases, that betrothal, that engagement, ultimately led to marriage. And I think it's safe to assume that Mary and Joseph, I think, were in love with each other. They were very, very committed to one another. Uh, they were fully intending to get married and to spend the rest of their lives together. But the Bible makes very clear in, in this little phrase, before they came together that Mary and Joseph decided to not have sexual relations until or unless they were married. And even then, the scripture makes very clear, they waited until after Jesus was born to engage in sexual activity. And that decision, that commitment on their part was based upon the law of God. Now, Why is this little phrase, and and why am I picking up on this this morning before they came together, why is that so significant? And, And really, what does it have to say to us in this day and age? Because in that day, just as it was in our day, sexual purity is a battle. The struggles that Mary and Joseph faced in sexual purity are many of the same struggles we face today in our day and time in our culture regarding sexual purity. Whether you're in the first century or you're in the current century, it takes a total commitment to personal righteousness, to sexual purity and personal integrity to honor God with your sexuality, especially in a loving relationship or an engagement headed toward marriage. I want you to understand Mary and Joseph engaged in and they fought a very hard battle for sexual purity in their relationship. And with God's help, they were able to win that battle. Now today, in like fashion, whether you're married or single, younger or older, Every one of us faces a similar battle for sexual purity, for integrity, and for personal righteousness. For those of you who are married, again, you've got to be committed to, and you've got to fight for, marital fidelity. Every one of us, married and single, we have got to be committed in an ongoing commitment to make sure our minds, our hearts are pure with regards to sexual matters throughout the day. We're, we're bombarded continuously through movies, through the things we hear on the radio, the things that we read. We're, we're just constantly bombarded, and it's, it is a battle to maintain sexual purity in our culture just as it was in the culture of Mary and Joseph. But like Mary and Joseph, with God's help, we can and we will win that battle. Now again, a lot of people in our culture today think fighting and winning this battle of sexual purity, of integrity, of of personal righteousness is really no big deal and it's really not worth fighting. As a matter of fact, I find it quite interesting lately as I've been driving around Mason City and I'm, I'm looking at the billboards that are up in our city right now. I'm kind of stunned and amazed how many of them are, are warnings concerning the increase of STDs. Again, the very presence or need for these kind of billboards in Mason City, to me, it kind of raises uh, some obvious questions. What is going on in our community that these are even necessary or needed? Now, on a positive note, I will say this in a roundabout way. These billboards really kind of are a call to sexual purity at some level, maybe not in the purest or in the the biblical sense, but it's certainly warning us of the potential dangers that are out there regarding a lack of sexual purity. And again, it, it kind of begs the question, in this day and age, does it really matter? Is it really that big of a deal? Well, I'll tell you this, if it matters to God, it ought to matter to us. If it's important to God, it ought to be important to us, especially if we're Christ followers. The Christmas story reminds us, among many other things, that sexual purity, integrity, and personal righteousness are still a very big deal to God. Bigger and more important oftentimes than you and I could ever imagine. We also ought to realize that purity, integrity, and personal righteousness, it touches every other facet of our lives and the people you share life with. Again, to me, it's very, very amazing and kind of stunning to me how many crimes are committed that have a sexual component to it And again, it's hard to accurately determine how much of a driving force that sexual component is to the crime, but the fact that it's there should be concerning to us. And again, sexual purity, integrity, personal righteousness matters greatly, and it is a very big deal, not just uh, to God, but also to the people in and around your life. Now, let me just kind of say this as simply and directly as I can. Your purity, your integrity, your personal righteousness matters. Your sexual righteousness, your verbal righteousness, the things you say, the way you speak, your financial righteousness, your workplace righteousness, the way you conduct yourself, in, in uh, your job, your ethics, all of this stuff matters to God in a major way and it matters in major ways to every life you're a part of. In fact, let me just pose this question to you. Do you think God would have chosen and used Mary and Joseph to be key players in the Christmas story had they been careless with regard to their sexual purity, their integrity, and personal righteousness. Do you think that there is a correlation whatsoever in Mary and Joseph's commitment to sexual purity, to integrity, to personal righteousness, and God's decision to kind of entrust them with the birth and the raising of the savior of the world? Do you think the way that Mary and Joseph chose to live their lives, the choices that they made had any effect on God's choice to use them to bring His Son into the world. If you don't see any correlation there or connection there, you should. Throughout the Word of God, there has always been a very consistent and a very deep connection between righteousness and God's hand of favor and blessing and his decision to entrust someone with this kingdom work. Take, for instance, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, confirms this. <clears throat> for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, just to be clear, this doesn't mean that God does not love people who have lost their way. It doesn't mean that God does not want uh, to reclaim those whose lives maybe have kind of gone astray or off the tracks. It just means that God is always aware of, he's always looking for someone to pour his favor and blessings upon He's always listening for someone's cries, uh, uh, their, their prayers uh, of intercession. He's always searching for someone that he can entrust and empower uh, to his godly plans. And God chooses the righteous, those who have chosen to walk, to strive towards, and to live according to his holy ways. Now again, Psalm 1 is just a classic text on this. Uh, Read these words with me. Let's just read this out loud together. This is good for us to read together uh, and have this affirmed in our hearts. Blessed is the person that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And they shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever they do shall prosper. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. As I kind of thought on this message this week, I wondered, would we even know the names of Mary and Joseph? Had they not fought and won the battle for sexual purity, integrity, and personal righteousness? If not, it would have been very easy for them to have been passed over altogether for the role they eventually went on to play. And sometimes I just wonder, what opportunities, what adventures have been withheld from me because I did not fight the battle of purity, integrity, and personal righteousness in the ways I needed to. You ever think about that in regards to yourself? Because sometimes in the overall scheme of things, we often lose sight of the fact that God is trying to reach a world. And he's going to use people like you and I to reach that world through. And again, God's looking, always searching for people who are going to walk in his ways that he can kind of entrust those kingdom responsibilities to. Purity, integrity, and personal righteousness is a very big deal to God. And there are blessings when we embrace that, and there are lost opportunities when we don't when you're committed to and striving toward, again, that purity, that integrity, that personal righteousness, again, it demonstrates, it proves our heart of devotion to God, that we're listening, that we're obedient, that we're willing. It demonstrates our trustworthiness before him. Again, it opens us up to his favor and his blessings And so how do we do that? You do what David did a long time ago when he cried out in Psalm 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I want to just say and suggest that some of us will not get Christmas right unless we make right any issues of sexual purity, integrity, and personal righteousness that are not right within us. For some of us, Christmas involves uh, being right by making some of those things that are maybe not right, right in our lives. And again, you can ignore that, you can delay that, you can kind of stick your head in the sand, pretend that it's not an issue, or you can step up You can acknowledge it. You can engage or re-engage in that battle for sexual purity, for integrity, personal righteousness. And again, with God's help, you will be victorious. You will win the battle. And again, that's the first battle Mary and Joseph fought and won. Now, looking back again at the Christmas story, there's a second very hard-fought battle that Joseph in particular had to fight and win in order for his role in the Christmas story to advance. And that second battle was a battle for graciousness. And it was a very big and a very hard fought battle. Now, a lot of people, again, we, we can gloss over this or we can minimize this. Or really kind of underappreciate maybe what Joseph went through in this whole Christmas drama. So let me just kind of give you um, a, a clearer context. Imagine living in a very, very small town where all of the kids go to the same school. Basically, everybody kind of goes to the same church. Everyone shops in the same stores. Everybody pretty much knows everything about everyone. They know whose checks are good and whose husbands aren't, right? That's small-town living. One of the highest values in this little village is traditional family values, And here you live, and you are engaged. You have made a very public announcement that you are going to marry a very young, beautiful woman. So you've announced your engagement to the entire village. Everyone's aware. Everyone is buzzing. They're talking. They're excited for you, for your good news. And and it's going to be one of the social events that people are going to look forward to in that village. And so you literally feel like the eyes of everyone in that village are watching you and your significant other, and you just feel this desire to start it right and to kind of keep it right, right? Then comes the moment that the news comes out. Here you are, you're kind of living life together with her family, your family. You walk and talk in public places. You're very careful to avoid even the appearance of impropriety because you know everyone is watching you and you both desire to want to live up to people's expectation and spiritual convictions. You don't want to risk disappointing anyone in this little community Matthew 1.19 says, because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. Now I don't know if you can grasp the, the full weight of that little phrase, but shortly after one of the most, and I, I'd assume one of the most devastating betrayals a young man can experience, Joseph struggles to find a way that he can deal with his own disappointment, and I'm sure deep, deep disappointment, frustration, a sense of betrayal, anger, and and he has to try to figure out a way to deal with all he's feeling and dealing with and do it in a way that doesn't destroy Mary. Now, I want to ask you, do you think that happened naturally? I don't. I don't think it was kind of natural. I think Joseph had to engage in a battle that took him from rage to graciousness, from deep anger to wanting to deal with Mary in a gentle way. And I believe that Joseph had this very hard-fought battle to get from disappointment and betrayal to the place where he wanted to preserve and to protect Mary, despite what happened, to get to the point where he wanted to protect Mary from public humiliation. Humiliation. Now, let's just bring this a little closer to home. How many of us here this morning are not maybe too proud of the way that we have dealt with people in the past that have disappointed us? Maybe we're not too happy about the way that we've responded to people who have betrayed us. I'll be honest, when that happens to me, my first reaction oftentimes is to figure out how to get back, how to strike back, how to hurt them. And I'll bet Joseph, when he first got that news that Mary was pregnant, I'm sure Joseph considered many, many options, and most of them probably not very good. I'm sure Joseph just considered dragging Mary in front of that entire village and just exposing her. Again, this is a village of traditional values, The eyes of the community are on them. And I'm sure Joseph felt a need to vindicate himself and to bring Mary and expose her for all that she had done. Surely that option floated around in Joseph's mind, even if it was just momentarily. This side of heaven, every one of us who have been wronged or hurt, disappointed or betrayed in some way, again, that temptation for every one of us is to try to get back at whoever wronged you, but Joseph does not act on that first dark impulse that may have swept over his spirit. Instead, the Bible gives us every indication that Joseph kind of dug down deep and he just pushes the pause button. And that's where I believe he begins to engage in this battle for graciousness. Again, he undoubtedly opened his mind to other options. But at some point, you get the sense that Joseph kind of opens his mind, he opens his heart, opens his hands to God, and he simply says, God, in this terribly disappointing and very frustrating situation, what would you have me do? What is the high road? How would you want me to act in this situation? And again, it's that biblical mandate do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And maybe he even slowed and quieted his spirit to a point where he would seriously wonder, if I were standing in Mary's place, if I were Mary, how would I wanna be treated? What would I want to have done to me? Would I wanna be exposed? Would I wanna be publicly humiliated? Or would I hope and pray for just a little understanding And grace. Again, let's just bring this back a little closer to home. A few weeks from now, many of us, we're going to gather with family and friends, perhaps Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. You're going to be in the same room with some people, most likely, who maybe have hurt you in some way. Maybe they've done something that's deeply wounded you or said something uh, to you that was very hurtful. I mean, that stuff happens even in good families. There's usually some hurt somewhere by someone. So at those family gatherings, when we get together, like Joseph, we have a decision to make. We have a choice. We can act on those dark impulses that make us want to inflict damage, hurt back, maybe say petty, digging things and hurt people who we believe have hurt and wronged us. And sometimes we can do this in just very sneaky and very sarcastic ways. That's one option. Or we can be kind of like Joseph and we can engage in this battle for graciousness and we can wrestle with God about what is a higher road to take. How could we treat someone with grace and mercy rather than revenge? And I'm not saying this is going to be easy I'm just saying if we're truly Christ followers, it's something we need to do. And following Joseph's decision again, in that battle with graciousness, he just decides, you know what? I'm going to take the high road. And I'm going to respond in graciousness. And I'm going to try to do this in a way that protects Mary. And I'm going to try to do this as quietly as I can The Bible says in Matthew 1.20 that an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and he informs him the very child that Mary is carrying was not the result of immoral activity on her part. And in fact, she did not betray him. Can you imagine how glad Joseph must have been that he responded and reacted to Mary in grace? Can you imagine how glad he was in that moment that he had not humiliated, disgraced, or discredited her in front of the whole village. Again, this is just another confession on my part. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I've done both. I've engaged in this battle for graciousness, and I fought hard, and with God's help, I've won some of those battles. I've granted some people forgiveness and grace, and I let them off the hook. And unfortunately, I've done the other also, where I've made people pay. And I've never experienced any satisfaction of spirit or soul from making someone pay. It never did for me what I hoped it would do when it was all said and done. But I can tell you this, every time I worked it the other way and I engaged in that battle for graciousness with the help of the Holy Spirit, Every time I have canceled a debt, every time I've let someone off the hook, decided to bless instead of curse, that's where I have found satisfaction of spirit and soul. So the angel ends his command with Joseph by saying in Matthew 1 20, he says, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take to you, Mary your wife for that which she conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, that angelic announcement presses Joseph into one more spiritual battle that I want to briefly mention, and that is the battle for trust. The battle for trust will push Joseph, I believe, to the very edge of his faith, because the battle for trust forces Joseph To come to terms with his willingness to walk by faith and not by sight. The battle for trust meant for Joseph, I not only have to listen to what the angel of the Lord says, I got to believe that what the angel of the Lord is saying is true. Even though it makes no human sense at all. And I want you just to mark my words. Joseph had to give a lot of trust. He's being asked to trust that the father of Mary's child, in fact, is the Holy Spirit and not a secret lover. That's a big one. He's being asked to trust That taking Mary for his wife is the right thing to do in spite of all the circumstances and that he's not one day going to come back and regret that. He's being asked to name this baby Jesus. And that name means the one who is going to save people from their sins. Now, I'll guarantee you When people in that little conservative, traditional family values community hears the name Joseph names that child, I'll guarantee some of them probably went ballistic. So I want you to understand, Joseph's battle for trust here was no easy thing. I believe it really pushed him to the edge of his faith. And sometimes our battle for trust is equally as daunting, isn't it? We're heading into the Christmas holidays. Every one of us in this room are fighting a trust battle of one kind or another. For starters, we're being asked to trust that this whole Christmas story is real and true, right? We're being asked to trust wholeheartedly That God, in fact, did visit this earth as a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus was born miraculously to two Jewish peasants and grew up in a blue-collar town. We're being asked to believe that at 30 years Age, age of 30 years, Jesus started a very public ministry where he healed and comforted and taught people. And then at the end of that three-year ministry that he shouldered the sins of the world as he hung on a cross between two common thieves. We're being asked to trust that three days later he was resurrected from the dead and he ascended back to the Father. And from that time until this time, he's been reaching out to the fallen wayward people all over the world, offering them a new start, a more satisfying life and a secured eternity. We're being asked to trust all of that. Do you believe that? It's a battle for each one of us in this room to believe and to trust that. Beyond that, God is asking that even though some of us this Christmas are facing medical challenges that maybe have us scared spitless, some of you maybe are facing financial shortages, maybe vocational setbacks, maybe family heartbreaks. God is asking each and every one of us who are maybe in unwanted circumstances this Christmas To believe that in spite of everything that is going on in our lives, that God is a loving and a gracious and a merciful God. And that because of your relationship with him, God is committed to taking all of the unwanted, difficult circumstances in your life. And God wants to begin to work all of that in a way that blesses you. We're asked to trust that God is in, at work in all of our difficult circumstances. That he's going to orchestrate all of these undesirable circumstances into a plan that winds up being for our good. And maybe some of you are in the midst of that right now, and you're kind of sitting there, and you're hearing what I'm saying, and you're thinking, man, that is a stretch for me. And that kind of trust, man, it's going to take a lot of work. My friends, the Christmas story, if it teaches anything, is that quite often trusting God demands a lot of work, trust, and faith. Every one of us have got to fight the battle for faith and trust. This isn't just unique to Mary and Joseph. It's the story of everyone who's ever lived. I think if Mary and Joseph were here today, they would say that they had to fight with all their might to win that battle for righteousness, for graciousness, for trust. And I think they would tell you none of it came easily. I also think they'd quickly add that in the heat of the battle, they felt and received help from the Spirit of God. And I think that they would tell you when that battle was over, the payoff was worth a thousand times over. And I'm here to tell you today that it's our day. This is our time to engage in the battle. If we're going to get Christmas right, we're going to have to fight for righteousness. We're going to have to fight for graciousness. We're going to have to fight for trust. And the good news is, is that God will join us in that battle. And I believe if we engage or re-engage in these battles for righteousness, for graciousness and trust, we'll not only get the Christmas season right, but we'll begin to get all the other seasons in our lives right as well. We'll begin to get our marriages right. We'll begin to get our families right. We'll begin to get our friendships right and church right and marketplace challenges right and spirituality right. But we're gonna have to fight for all of that. Mary and Joseph got their first Christmas right, but that was then. This is now. Today is our day. This is our moment. And I hope every one of us here this morning will engage and win in that battle for righteousness, for graciousness, and trust. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Again, I just invite you to join me as we just do a prayer consecration. Again, if you feel comfortable or feel led, you can just kind of have your hands out in front of you. Again, it's just a way to signify that you're wanting to give up the things that uh, need to be given up and that it also positions you to receive the things that God has for you this morning. So this invites you, and again, it's not required, uh, but if you'd like to just hold your hands out, and we're just gonna pray this prayer together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I commit myself to walk in your word. Your word living in me produces your life in this world. I recognize and confess your word to be wholly inspired, steadfast, sure, true, and eternal. And I entrust myself to its precepts, promises, and provisions. Help me to live in this life, and walk in this world in the ways of righteousness, graciousness, and trust, just as Mary and Joseph did, and just as Jesus did. You have sent your word forth into my heart. I let it dwell in me richly in all wisdom. I meditate on it day and night so that I may diligently act upon it. Help me to hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Thank you, Father, that you have chosen and appointed me to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Thank you that you are the vine and I am the branch and that you prune and cut away every branch so that I can bear more fruit. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for filling me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I may walk worthy of You, Lord, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of You. Father, I ask You to sanctify me in every way and may my whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Father, thank You for drawing me unto Yourself. You are completely faithful and dependable that you, I am a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and led by the Spirit of God. You lead me in the way I should go, the ways of everlasting life. I dwell in the kingdom of God, and because of that, I have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise you, God, amen. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.